Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to A Lens Into Medicine, a platform and community where future medical professionals are encouraged to join to learn more about what the future holds for them. I'm your host, Parth. This podcast will be a place where we talk about what really happens in medicine, including the healthcare education leading up. We'll bring on current university students, residents, and healthcare professionals to learn more about their experiences along the journey. Surrounded by the internet in this day and age, people only seem to highlight their wins and successes. As a result, I wish to bring transparency and reveal the raw details that lie along the way. I can't wait to meet you and I'm excited for what the future holds for us. Hello everyone, welcome back to A Lens in Medicine, where today we'll be talking all about specialties and how you can choose one. Today our guest is Dr. Sharma. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Doctor. Do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Sure, yeah. My name is uh, Raghav. I am going to be in three days, a third year resident in physical medicine rehabilitation at the Medical College of Wisconsin here in Milwaukee. Um, I've lived in Chicago most of my life. I'm up here for training and I'm looking forward to do sports and spine medicine later on in the future. Cool. So why did you choose this specific career path? So as far as specialties in medicine go, each one is unique. There's some overlap between all of them. Um, But at the end of the day, you have to kind of look at what each field is about, bread and butter wise, and what their philosophy is. The philosophy for physical medicine rehab, which is not that well known of a field still, it's the youngest field. Um, It was founded, I believe, don't 100% quote me on this, I believe 1954. Um, But the philosophy of the field is essentially function over everything else. So rather than just kind of treating a disease for the namesake of treating it, we try to maximize function and um, kind of pick apart the diseases and treat what we need to to improve physical function. So whether the patient has a stroke um, and they're recovering from that or they just have simple like elbow tendon. Um, we try to make sure we're optimizing function where we can. So um, given my background, kind of in powerlifting, different athletic things, um, I think function is something I really enjoy and helping people get back to that. So that's kind of where I'm at. So tell me a little bit about that. What kind of got you into powerlifting and kind of working on, you know, like, you know, like getting stronger, you know, gaining muscle in the gym? So I think a lot of what we can do as far as like human health comes down to a lot of um, what we do to take care of ourselves. Um, For myself, that ended up starting as a weight loss journey. um, And through that journey, I ended up finding powerlifting. And I thought it was much more gratifying than just doing something for appearances. So I started doing strength sports, um, started doing powerlifting, competed, um, competed all throughout medical school. I still compete. Um, recently transitioned and got a little bit bored of strength stuff. So I'm doing a little bit more endurance sports now. So I'm training for a marathon, did one in 2021. Um, so that's a little bit about that. Um, I think that maximizing what we can do on a daily basis for ourselves is one of the keys that we can do um, every day to maximize our health um, on top of everything else that medicine offers. So that's a little bit about how I got into it. And that's a little bit about what I try to help our patients um, understand and get into as much as they can. That's amazing, um, you know, keeping yourself healthy and focusing on yourself. Like at least some part of your day is really important for everyone. Um, so I know we kind of talked about why you chose PM and R, but what was what was there anything else other than the kind of powerlifting side of you that made it special? Uh, as far as for physical medicine rehab, yeah. 
So I think the field, once again, like I said, is all about maximizing function. So whenever you actually approach a patient, you're asking about what their goals are and not just kind of what your goals are for the patient. So a lot of times when you're in the hospital, I don't know how much exposure you specifically have uh, with patients, but a lot of times in the hospital, you're kind of just approaching patients telling, okay, we need to work on this, this, and this for your heart, lungs, whatever system it may be, whatever's going on with the patient. Um, but when it comes to physical medicine rehab, you go and you talk to the patient, you're like, okay, what is your day-to-day -day like? What do you like to do? Um, what do you want to do? Where's your function at and how do we get you there? And then whether the patient, no matter what kind of condition they have, like once again, whether they have a stroke or they have a musculoskeletal injury, lower back pain, we start helping them get towards whatever their goal is versus just kind of giving them our goals for the patient. So when you were applying to residency, was it your first choice specialty? Yeah, it actually was. So I was very fortunate um, that when I was a undergraduate, um, whenever you shadow for medical school and you kind of start figuring things out and you start building up your application for medical school, um, I actually shadowed a physical medicine and uh, rehabilitation physician. Um, and that really fit well with my personality, with my lens on medicine. So when I started medical school, I'd already known about the field and I was kind of a little bit maybe a little bit orthopedic surgery because it has musculoskeletal function, all that kind of stuff. But uh, really all throughout, I was kind of laser focused on physical medicine rehab. So I know like, you know, obviously because you started shadowing and you sort of shadowed the specific specialty when you're undergrad, comparatively, you kind of had an idea of what you wanted to do a little bit earlier than a lot of people do. Um, and you really didn't change throughout medical school. Um, but if you could go through this entire process again of choosing your specialty and kind of learning about every other, like all the other specialties, what would you do differently to ensure that this is what you saw your future in? Yeah, I think for any medical student, I think the base thing is understanding your medicine. And instead of just a lot of students, when they come into medical school or whether they're pre-meds, they already have a preconceived notion of, oh, this is what I want to do. This is a specialty that I want to do based on everything that I've heard, everything that I've shadowed. Um, so once they start medical school, they're set of gung-ho on that field. Um, for myself, that was the case. Um, and for it worked out for me because I think it really fit well as far as the philosophy of it goes. And I kind of knew what the day-to-day -day looks like. But for people who are unknown of what they're going to do or they haven't had that much experience, I think the biggest thing is kind of understanding what the day-to-day -day of every field is. Whenever you shadow, um, physicians will try to get to show you the coolest parts of the field. Like, for example, if you're shadowing a surgeon, they'll show you some of the more cool surgeries, all those different kinds of things. But there's a lot of bread and butter cases and a lot of different bread and butter things that those physicians do in clinic all those different kinds of things that you also have to understand. Um, so the biggest thing is just kind of getting exposure, um, whether or not it's provided by your institution, undergraduate or medical school, seek it out for yourself to just try to see what's out there and understand what the uh, different scopes are. Thank you. So when you are shadowing and learning kind of about this bread and butter, your, your bread and butter cases, the kind of behind the scenes stuff you have to do as a, a PM&R, uh, what was kind of the biggest challenge or problem that you had with the specialty and even today, I guess? As far as like any hurdles within physical medicine rehab? Yeah, like as like kind of what were you hesitant about? Like, I don't know for this reason, if I want to do this, was there anything kind of that um, was in the back of your mind? Like, is this really the right thing or maybe orthopedics? Like, was there anything like that? So actually, fortunately, there really wasn't um, just because I have had the exposure of not only that first physician that I shadowed who was physical medicine rehab. Yeah. Um, he ended up being like, 
he's really well known in the field and to some extent and he really knows his private practice he's pretty well known in that space as well so i really got exposed to kind of most of it so there wasn't anything that really was uncovered that i didn't know um as i got into the field so i was very fortunate uh to be in that position but i think as far as one of the general pitfalls of physical medicine rehab is that um our field is not really that well known still since it is one of the younger specialties um and i think a lot of times people don't understand what we can do and either don't send patients to us just because they don't know what we can do mm. or they kind of just put us on cases where like they think that we can offer some value, but we really can't. Um, and a lot of times I also think of physical medicine rehab. You probably don't know this from your shoes, but as a disposition for patients. So instead of kind of sending them home, you send them to quote unquote rehab. And we're not just a specialty that just disposition for like where patients go, but we can add value. And a lot of times people don't know what that value is. Okay. If, if a medical student or even an undergrad, you know, if they're trying to, I know undergrad is a bit early, but let's say for a medical student, um, if they're trying to decide between two and it's, you know, they have a couple of months to decide, but they don't really know what they want to do. Um, what would you tell them to kind of figure out, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, like, how would you help them find their true passion? So I think that's really difficult. I think uh, the medical system in and of itself, forcing uh, students and medical students, undergrads kind of start picking something um, earlier on is unfortunate because a lot of us as we're going through it are very young. A lot of us are in our 20s, um, early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s. And that's very like formative period where we're still kind of understanding our identity. Um, so I think at that point, a lot of us don't even know who we are as a person. So it's difficult to pick a field. Um, so I think the biggest thing is just kind of even not outside of medicine, understanding who you are, the types of interactions you like to have, the types of settings you like to be in, the types of people that you like to talk to and figure all that out because that definitely plays itself in medicine as well. So instead of just being like, oh, uh, all the orthopedic people are like this, all of the neurology people are like this, figure out yourself first and see how that slots into medicine. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, I want to kind of talk about a little bit earlier, like let's say around high school, early undergrad, um, let, let's say there's just like a scenario where someone, you know, they want to go into healthcare, they want to become a physician, and they kind of want to kind of get their feet wet with some of the different specialties. How can someone try to start to explore? Um, like, what is the best way to explore? Uh, shadowing is definitely one of them. But is there kind of other things other than shadowing? Or is that really the main way to go? You can absolutely volunteer. Um, shadowing is definitely the best way to kind of directly contact and interface with physicians and whoever else you may be shadowing. But I think volunteering is very um, important as well. In this sphere, you can kind of learn a lot about um, how different systems work. So whether you have a local hospital system near you, um, they're always looking for volunteers. So you can find a way to get involved there and kind of not only necessarily understand the medicine part of it, but just kind of how a hospital works and what the entire medical system and healthcare system is like, because a lot of students that are in high school don't really even know what healthcare entails and all the different roles, all the different positions within healthcare. Um, there's way more than just physicians or being a doctor in healthcare. Um, so kind of just shadowing, understanding the healthcare system in general is pretty important. Um, you can volunteer for like free clinics and you won't be the one providing medical care because you don't know anything, but you can see how you interface and how physicians interface, where the supplies come from, how all of that works. So um, also like races, like for example, if you're into any sort of athletics, there's a whole bunch of, um, there's probably a local marathon somewhere that's always looking for volunteers, local um, adaptive uh, activities for people with disabilities. Um, um, there's always volunteering opportunities. So um, getting involved in those and shadowing are probably the biggest two. Um, 
And when do you think is the right time? I know you said like it's early whenever, like the way the system is, but kind of the way we have it right now, what do you think is the right time to exploring whatever options you have uh, access to? As far as like uh, your specialty is like, like when should I like along my journey? When should I start to uh, try to figure out what I might want to do in the future? When is, when is it too early? When is it too late? I guess. Yeah. So I think the first question is always, what do I want to do in healthcare versus specialty? Okay. Um, and do I want to do healthcare? Because a lot of students have this starry eyed idea of what it become, what a physician is and what it takes to become one. Um, and the path is very, very challenging and it's very long as well. So when you're in high school, you really don't have any concept of what that means. So when you are, for example, when I turn 31 will be my first full-time attending position where I am the one in charge. I'm not in training anymore. So that's my first time um, where a lot of my friends who did not do healthcare, who like, let's say they graduated undergrad at 20, 21, have been working full-time for 10 years and whatever else they're doing. So while you're in training, you are in a way sacrificing um, your 20s in a long time um, to kind of work on that training and really be at the lower totem pole of the healthcare system. So first, understand that you want to be in healthcare, understand everything that goes into becoming a physician. And if you think it is right for you and it's something that you're really passionate about um, delivering medical care or being within the healthcare system in whatever capacity, then when it comes to medical school, not even at any other point within your like first or second year, start shadowing broadly, as broadly as you can. And you're not really going to understand the workflow by any means when you're first or second year, because you have no concept of what it means to actually work within that system um, as a contributing member. So once it, once you start shadowing um, during your third years is really when you start figuring out what you want to do. Um, as an undergrad or a medical student, how beneficial can um, research be to figure out what interests you? So... Research is one of those um, interesting topics within healthcare where there's obviously large tertiary academic centers and uh, research is the backbone of those. Research is the backbone of a lot of medicine. Mm -hmm. But there's also another side, which is just like clinical practice. And those two are sometimes at odds with each other, um, wherein sometimes people do both. So it depends on what you want to do. Getting exposure to research is definitely something that I would try to do um, at a bare minimum, um, just so that you understand where that comes from, how that process works, what it means to be evidence-based, where all of this research come from, comes from that us physicians rely on for our clinical care practices. Um, so at some point, whatever it is, try to get involved in some sort of research. That doesn't mean you have to become like a prolific researcher or publish a bunch of articles, but just understand how the system works. Um, it is not necessarily an absolute requirement to get into medical school or to get into a, a match into a residency position, but it's definitely something that's nice to have the perspective of where that's coming from. And it definitely will make you more competitive if you do have a lot of research, but by no means is it unnecessary. Um, have you done any research in the space? And if so, how do you think it's helped you with the understanding of like your career and um, like your specialty? Yeah, so there's uh, a couple different ways to get involved in research. You can always do like bench research, um, which I did in undergrad, and that really helps you understand um, what the basic level of research is. Of We start at this very basic mechanistic model. Um, you're starting like pipetting, doing all this stuff, and that comes to one spot. And then once you get into more clinical practice, you start thinking of more clinical questions of how does all of this affect my patients? Yeah. Um, so now being involved in research, you think of um, how certain treatments and how certain things affect our patients and how that impacts care in the future. 
So you kind of get involved in that way and helps you make better clinical decisions. So a lot of times um, when you're getting involved in research, whether it's in medical school or residency, it's to answer a question. And that's really all research is. It's a hypothesis because you're trying to answer a question. So you think, oh, how does this X affect Y? And then you kind of read about it a little bit to see um, if something exists. And if it doesn't, there's a question, you have a hypothesis, and you're going for it. Um, and I want to spend the rest of kind of our episode here talking about, you know, what factors do people take into consideration when they're choosing a specialty? And one of them that really comes up is work-life balance. You know, how much time can I put into work and still have, you know, enjoy my life? Especially, as you said, you're sacrificing a lot of your 20s and a lot of your um, kind of early adult life for this industry in general. Um, so kind of living your life after is important. How can someone understand how the work-life balance is for a specific specialty and how can they start to decide, how, like, like kind of distinguish between some different specialties? So ask questions um, at every single point, whether you are shadowing as an undergrad or you're becoming a medical student shadowing or you're in your clinical rotations as a third and fourth year, ask questions and don't be afraid to do so. You can ask whoever it is you're shadowing, hey, what is your life like outside of me? Like, what do you do outside? Either you're trying to get to know someone. You don't have to ask, like, what's the work-life balance like? Although you can certainly be upfront. That depends on the person that you're talking with. Um, but ask questions. Otherwise, some people aren't going to tell you because, like I said, again, when you shadow, um, when you're getting, uh, like, FaceTime with all these people, if you're not doing clinical rotations, they're going to try to show you the rosy parts, the best parts of that specialty. They're not going to necessarily advertise the worst parts. So always ask questions. Um, don't be afraid to do so. And then the other thing is you can always look things up. Um, there's a lot of data out there as far as what uh, specialties burn out the most, why they burn out. Um, you can look up the average work hours worked in residency for each uh, specialty. Same thing for as a as like a attending job. Um, how many hours they work. So there's a lot of different things that can go into it, but I would say lived experiences are definitely the best way to go. So asking questions, um, just kind of understanding where that is, is probably the best way. Did you ever reach out to alumni from your school or um, people kind of you knew in your like specialty when you were just making sure like third, fourth year medical student, were you kind of reaching out, asking a lot of questions to people you knew in the industry? Absolutely. So I think at any stage of our career, whether we're in high school, whether we're in undergrad, we're a medical student, resident, even when you're like fully in attending, if you're if you get all the way there, if you decide to do it, you're always asking questions, you're always leaning on others for support. And within medicine, it's a field where you absolutely like should do that because there's just so many different things, so many different variables. Um, especially if you are like a first generation physician, if your parents aren't physicians, then there's a lot to learn. It's a very unique system to every other career out there as far as applying to schools, matching to a residency, getting a job. It's very unique. So always rely on those above you because they've lived. Um, they can kind of teach you from their experience, the different failures that they might have had, different things that they would have done differently. So never hesitate to reach out. I absolutely reached out um, and you can reach out at every level too. So whether it's one or two years above you, uh, a couple like three or four years above you and those that are like further on in their career, it's always good to have people at every stage. So you can continue asking questions. And something that a lot of people initially are interested in the field about is income. You know, the, the kind of idea that like doctors make a lot of money and, you know, especially like, especially when you start to 
progressing your career, you know, the more time you spend as an attending, going into private practice, all these things. Um, how much would you say income varies um, at a certain level? Like if you had to say like everyone is at the same level in their specific specialty, does income kind of vary there? Income absolutely varies. Um, it varies by so many different factors. It varies by number one, your state, um, where you're practicing. It varies by the type of um, practice you're in, like you said, private practice versus an academic practice. Um, it varies based on the amount of procedures that you do, because some people do a lot more, even within the same field than others. Um, it depends on your efficiency, all these different kinds of things. There's bonuses, metrics, different incentives. And then there's also different forms of compensation um, for the field. So you may not have the highest quote unquote income, but if you have a great benefits package, then that also adds up. Um, there's a whole bunch of different ways that income varies, even within the field, if everyone's trained the same and everything. And would you say that kind of just doing your research and data wise is the best way to get knowledge on this? Or is it still beneficial to ask? trusted mentors ask trusted mentors okay so asking is the theme ask questions um yep and then another thing is kind of social expectations and prestige of a specific um specialty like if someone was to compare a, a like a cardiothoracic surgeon or a orthopedic surgeon with just num like a normal kind of um family medical like like family medicine um uh, professional both of them are extremely important to the way kind of our healthcare system works. But in, in someone's eyes, one of them might, might be more prestigious just because it might, might make more money or it might be harder to get into. Um, how important was this to you and how important is this to people uh, kind of when you're deciding? This is a great question. I'm happy that you asked it. And I think that prestige in medicine needs to die. Um, I think that there is this huge thing about prestige where, for example, like you said, the cardiothoracic surgeon or surgeons in general put on a higher plate just because either number one, they earn a higher salary, they go through more training. It's a little bit more selective to get into sometimes. But I think that everyone is, is a physician and everyone at the end of the day is a servant to their patients. Um, so there should not necessarily be any sort of prestige to any sort of physician thing. I don't think there is any sort of um, like I don't hesitate to call someone just because they're of a surgeon like back background, all the different kind of stuff. Um, everyone's there to serve patients. And at the end of the day, I think physicians should be humble to that because we are only who we are because we're serving everyone else and we do training and go through so much just to be able to help people as the best that we can. And I think that a lot of people who once entered the industry kind of realize this, but when they're, especially like a lot of high schoolers, even early undergrads still kind of buy into this idea. And I agree with you. Like, at the end of the day, like you're there to help others. It shouldn't matter how you're helping. Yeah. And if it's going by prestige, as far as like how much value you add to the system, then those primary care physicians should be by far the most prestigious. Cause once you learn a little bit about what primary care physicians deal with and what they go through, then, um, they deal with a lot. They're probably the biggest quote unquote servants of people out there because they just take care of a lot. Right. They're the quarterback of the healthcare system for that patient. So, um, Forget about prestige, figure out how you want to help people and go go about it that way. One of the last things I want to talk to you about is duration of training. Some residencies are longer. Sometimes you require a fellowship, which adds on extra years. Um, kind of how much does this vary and like really how much does it matter in the end? Um, matter as far as... 
like where you get in like career because like let's say you have like a like a like a longer fellow a longer residency and they have to fellowship on top of that compared to someone who has like a five-year or three-year residency um do are you kind of behind in your career because of this so every career is different and each specialty's career path is different um, for example when you have primary care physicians it's three years of training but you're getting a lot of training within those three years mm. um, and you kind of continue on within the real world so you can continue fellowships all the different kind of stuff but that's on the shorter side um, you have like internal medicine family practice uh, pediatrics i believe pediatrics three years usually um, and you're done whereas on the other end of the spectrum you have things like um, neurosurgery, which can sometimes be up to eight years of training. Right. And it's necessary because there's a lot that you need to learn for neurosurgery and there's a lot of different things. And a lot of programs also incorporate research heavily within those years of training. So sometimes like the years four and five or whatever the years may be of a training program are way more research focused than they are clinical focused. Um, it absolutely puts no one behind in their quote unquote career. A neurosurgeon's path and career trajectory is completely different than a primary care physician's. Um, so they shouldn't be compared at all. No one's behind anyone else just because they have uh, put more training in or put less training in the only thing that does differ is um, maybe time that you've earned money um, some people choose to get out of, of training earlier so they can start making money and start enjoying their life right. um, and like use that money to do whatever it is experiences and whatnot start paying off loans or some people take the trade-off they take the longer training for the higher salary at the end um, and have a longer time where you're earning less money so it all depends it's all variable no one's behind in any way and then uh, you brought up something about how like some programs want you to do research in the fourth and fifth year. Does the length of the training matter depending on which residency program you apply to or is it uniform across the specialty? So there are rules about uh, how long each residency training program can be that are governed by like the accrediting body, the ACGME. Um, so for the most part, every specialty is around the same number of years. Some residents will take a year like off from that track to do research um, just because they have either an interest in it or they're trying to compete for like a very difficult fellowship to get. Um, but for the most part, every specialty is like specifically within that set amount of time. Thank you so much for like answering these with such detail. It's actually a fantastic answer for all of them. And I, I ask everybody this um, in the end, and it kind of wraps up the episode. But if you had one piece of advice that you could give, you know, to people who want to get to where you are as a physician, you know, people who are high schoolers, early undergrads, um, what would you tell them? Figure out what you want to do. Do not hone in on any one specific thing just because other people are doing it or just because it looks great to you. Um, really figure out what you want to do and explore every single option. Um, we, as we're growing up and we're young within our like teens, early 20s, mid 20s, oftentimes we have no clue what we're doing and our life situation changes. The people who are around, everything keep changing. So understand really who you are and what you want to do, what you want to do as far as career, life, salary, income, all those different kinds of things and make your decisions based off that. Um, not based on any one impulse and be uh, okay with changing paths. Forget the sunk cost fallacy. If things change, jump ship and do something else because you enjoy it more. Um, thank you so much for you know coming on to the podcast today. And to the listeners, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review or rating and you know follow up with the both of us on Instagram. I am at Alenza Medicine. 
And Dr. Sharma is at underscore Raghav. That's R-A-G-A-V. Sharma, S-H-A-R-M-A underscore. I also have a website, alendinmedicine.com. So check that out to learn more. Um, and please message Dr. Sharma. I'm sure he'll be open to answering any questions you all have, literally about anything. Um, and do you have anything else you want to say to listeners? Absolutely. That's it. Um, you can find me on social media. Feel free to ask me any questions. I'd be happy to help. Um, I also have a website, www.ragavsharma.com. Um, yeah, that's about it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Sharma. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys next time.